episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and, set, and set, share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome everyone to Neo Reality Collective. I am your host, Eric Brown, back with the, let's see, now, how many episodes are we at at this point? Like, we have done so many episodes at this point. We're currently at episode 72 of the Neo Reality Pop Culture News segment talks of this show. And it's been a wild ride. We're almost at 75, and I already have a plan for that. But uh, we'll be getting to that as we get closer to things. But currently, there has been a lot of news I've been trying to catch up on and give my opinions and thoughts on those that have not been updated yet. And we'll be getting right into things. So, a few weeks back, uh, on June 15th, the two, the Battlefield-esque shooter Battlebit Remastered came out and has been on a critical and financial success for, for, for like, four people. Yes. And has been doing pretty damn well in the charts, and it's currently one of the top leading games, uh, leaping ahead of games such as the Street Fighter 6, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, and Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which is saying a lot. The game is basically Minecraft Roblox in a shooting world and whatnot, and communication being key and all that, and it even offers up to 254 players battling it out for supremacy in a massive war zone. Uh, so, the reviews have been very positive. I actually played it for a little bit. Uh, it's an early access game, so naturally there are some bugs and glitches and other concerns you have and not fully fleshed out fully just yet, but it's off to a pretty damn strong start and has been doing pretty well in the sh- in the charts. I played a little bit of it. I did a temporary kick.com stream just to try things out because I rarely do streaming products unless I'm on another YouTuber's contents page uh, on Noah Foster 1916. Checked him out on YouTube. But besides that, I have been mostly restrained, constrained myself to just taping and canning a bunch of content. Right now... There might be an option to do live stream down the road, but that will have to depend on a variety of factors. Meanwhile, so as that has been going on, un- this has been doing pretty damn well in the blowing up Steam charts, and I'm I'm a little happy for I'm happy for them. Uh, it is a wild ride, and the game is pretty damn crazy, and 
and the fact that it was made by three to four people is, is a miracle unto itself. So uh, let's be real. We'll give them all the credit in the world for that because to do go ahead and say we made this game with just a few people with less than 10 people and, and craft something so massive and sweeping it is something to be beholden about. And the fact that they did it without the world's greatest graphically graphic fidelity. No, no, their strengths was in the gameplay. You know, that, that very foreign, very vague concept that once existed once upon a time until, you know, everyone just kind of lost their minds over the realistic graphics, graphically fidelity, and all that technological enhancements. So, yeah, that had all happened, and there was subsequently much rejoicing over that whole fiasco. <laughs> and... Yeah, I played a little bit of it. Uh, I am not the best when it comes to playing a PC game, uh, when it comes even with a controller, because they don't have a strong controller support. And I'm hoping they actually release this on additional consoles and, and whatnot down the road, because my God, the, the, they need all the support they can get. I'm probably gonna probably get back into things when uh, things go ahead and when they get full controller support available and then I can not have to tinker around trying to find the best controller support for my Xbox controller for it because it's pretty annoying to try and figure that out. So, meanwhile, as that has been going on, North American Esports, a failing business according to a streamer who spent $1 million on a team, Streamer Jeremy Wang, better known as Disguise Toast, released a video outlining why the esports industry is one of the worst things you can get into, and explains how he found a team, a Valorant team in January, and later added a League of Legends squad to the roster five months in. And Wang was told he was set to lose one million dollars within the first year, twice than what he initially expected to spend. Damn. So yeah, he gave this big outline about the declining of the esports thing, and yeah, he, since he's in a hole, since he and his team are in a hole, he's planning to turn to Patreon and high-quality merchandise to dig himself out of that hole. Though Joji may be making a video in another few months saying he's now spent two million, so he's probably screwed. Meanwhile, as that has tragically been going on, uh, we all remember the great. Purge of Warner Bros. Discovery, my rivalry and anger towards David Zaslav and his handling of the management and the legacy content, and all the future content that was going to come out, and as much as people don't like certain content they did release, uh, I feel like it should also be like, if the show has it already completed and they were promised a release, then for God's sakes, just, just let them release it somewhere. Like, you have the final season of Snowpiercer already completed, and you're not going to release it because of tax write-off, instead of just sell it to someone else, since, you know, we gotta hoard all the intellectual properties like a dragon and then its pile of gold. Conveniently, they also own that license as well. But, with all that purging going on, we were there were a lot of people concerned about Gendy Trakowski's uh, Primal, because some people were concerned that Season 2 was going to um, be the last, considering, uh, you know, David Zaslav is a moron. Luckily, Adult Stream has renewed Primal for a third season, saying, and... Gendy went ahead and said, It's happening. Primal has become a contagious disease I don't ever want to cure. Every episode flows out like an unstoppable force beyond my control. Prepare yourselves, Primal fans, for Season 3 is coming. 
And according to Elsfin, Primal is the network's sixth most streamed series on Max domestically and the second most streamed outside the US. So, yay! It's not going anywhere, everybody. We won. We won this, everyone. We won. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, as the FTC and Microsoft thing was piling up at the time, it was announced by The Verge reports um, that Microsoft was set to increase the price of the Xbox Series X and the Game Pass. Now, they exclude the U.S., so while it doesn't affect me, it affects the rest of the world, so that, that pretty much sucks. Like, if you, like here's the thing. I, I saw the Game Pass getting expensive more. I, I saw the Game Pass getting a price increase, mostly because I suspected they were going to do another more bigger tier that would, you know, justify the extra cost and, and you know, add some features to it. They, do, they are not doing that because they're increasing Game Pass Ultimate for all America. America! While the Series X and whatnot will, and X will be increasing across the world, except America, Game Pass will increase everywhere, including America. Saying that the price would go up at some point. Back in October, Phil Spencer mentioned that, saying we've held on our prices for consoles for many years and have adjusted the prices to reflect the competitive conditions in each market. So yeah, uh, that happened, and probably the worst timing you could do that with the whole thing going on. So yeah, when I heard this, I was like, oh my god. Like, do we have to go through this again? We already got pissed when Sony did it. I like, like I said, the Xbox Series X and X, I saw coming, getting a price increase. I saw Game Pass getting a price increase, but I thought they were going to just release a new tier for to justify it. Like, call it, like, what's better, what's bigger than Ultimate? Um, Xbox Game Pass Infinity. Let's go with that. Like, they were making Halo Infinite, so that's a thing. So... Also, the director of John Wick Chapter 4 is getting a director's cut. <laughs> so, yeah, on the director, Chad, recently confirmed a comic book movie. He has almost finished work on the extended director's cut, saying, I've been working on the director's cut, the extended cut, which we've almost finished. I think uh, there's about another 10 to 15 minutes we put back in. We cut out a big chunk of Berlin, a whole character called the Fockfrau, which is for, which is a pretty funny scene with Jean, and a scene between him and the tracker, and a few little other action beats that we put back in. So, reportedly, the first cut of the film was three hours and 45 minutes long. I'm like, I'll, I'll watch the whole cut if we can if we can get that and whatnot, since there is the cutting room floor and, you know, you have to, like, cut, trim things down for uh, editing purposes and theatrical distribution. Because no one wants to stay in a film for three hours and th four, three to four hours, unless it's Lord of the Rings, and then in which case it's perfectly fine or Endgame. Or Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm, I don't understand that. And 
So FTC has been at war with Microsoft. They now have declared was at war with Microsoft until this week. Uh, we'll be covering the whole FTC co- trial and whatnot that happened and in an episode. But uh, Amazon has now been sued by the FTC for allegedly tricking customers into signing up for Prime. Yeah. Um. Huh. Um. I can honestly see that because Jeff Bezos is greedy, but like, like I said, I I could definitely see that happen being the case if that was it because um, <laughs> yeah, I, I could totally get that, but like, I don't know if that's accurate, but it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. They don't like. They would pretty much be like, oh, no, no, you got to get this to get Amazon Prime and all that and whatnot, but uh, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, FTC is suing them, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, they also say, in many cases, the option to purchase items on Amazon without subscribing to Prime was more difficult for consumers to locate. In some cases, the button presented to consumers to complete the transaction did not clearly state that in choosing that option, they were also agreeing to join Prime for a recurring subscription. The primary purpose of Prime cancellation process was not enabled for subscribers to cancel. But to stop them, Amazon leadership slowed or rejected changes that would have made it easier for users to cancel Prime because those changes adversely affected Amazon's bottom line. And of course, Amazon spokesperson said, Yeah, these are false. We will not, we will prove this on the facts of the law and whatnot, even though we're almost killing our, our workers half the time with badly AC rooms. Yeah, why are they not being sued for that when they were? And yeah. So, uh, Pedro Picasso. I keep pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, the Mandalorian Din, J- Din, Dinjin, and uh, AKA uh, Joel from The Last of Us has announced he fully supports Bo Katan taking over The Mandalorian after the whole thing of season three. So he says that he explained he loves, speaking to Variety, he explained he loves seeing Bo-Katan take on the titular Mandalorian title as he's a big fan of Dave Filoni's extended Star Wars universe and Bass Star Collector, which he admitted, which he starred in, which uh, <laughs> Bo-Katan's actor starred in for five years. Saying, I think the heavy focus on Bo-Katan was great, and then it also brings a polarization of a beloved character that is from the world of Dave Filoni. She gets to take Santa's stage in the third season. It's what I would want for the character, and that's a fan of the Clone Wars. Yeah, um, when I heard this, I was like, well, why not just make Bo-Katan have her own show? Like, I'm, I, there is some potential there, but, like, The Mandalorian mostly focused on Din, The Mandalorian. I know Bo-Katan's a Mandalorian, and they're trying to diversify the Mandalorian thing, but mostly, if, uh, for me, I thought it was, like, focusing on Din's character and his journey throughout the Star Wars universe with the baby Yoda Grogu at his side. But, um, Bo-Katan could have her own stuff going on. Or, you know, maybe you could have split the roles, like have have Din's story take place and have a parallel story take place instead of just moving the character on from another thing. Like, 
it's one of the reasons why <laughs> here's the thing when season three ended i was like wait it's over that quick i thought it just started yeah yeah, like that that was how I lost track of the Mandalorian after season two and the Book of Boba Fett's absolute uh, not so good failures. Uh, I was just like, it's already over and we're doing all these teasing for the Force Awakens era because that's a good idea for fans to get involved with and not care for whatsoever what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. But I, I keep thinking, like, the sense Dave Filoni wants to have this all clearly build up to the endgame scenario, which is Star Wars heir to the Empire. That's my de- best guess of where this is leading to. Uh, I still have my worries that they're just moving one character from another and just not focusing on the character we were invested in for two seasons and a quarter. So, Rocksteady's iconic Batman trilogy, the Arkham trilogy, uh, is coming to Nintendo Switch. Revealed at Nintendo Direct's event. So, um... How much are we willing to bet that this is going to probably bomb when when it's on the device, unless they scale it back tremendously? Because I, I will feel sorry for the players who get that. Considering how powerful the Nintendo Switch is, or lack thereof, um, yeah. Me, so yeah, Batman: The Arkham series. I've played the two. I played Arkham. I played the games. They're fun, uh, but I can't see it working on the Switch so well. I could be wrong, but I could also be. I, I, I could also be right, and I hate being right on that kind of stuff. Mostly because there's always negative stuff that comes true and not the positives. But, um, yeah. Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> Apparently a lot of the Square Enix staff wants to remake Final Fantasy VI of all games. And during a during the publisher's YouTube channel, they talked about it on the video. And the, how they want to make Final Fantasy VI. And... They keep getting told by fans, when are you making Final Fantasy VI? And they are people from inside the company. <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah, that, that would be difficult, considering it was a 2D game. Like, Final Fantasy VII was also difficult to make for them. But, like, there was an easier transition to some points, and then modern technology got hold. But making a full-on 2D remake all the way to 3D models, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. So, yeah. And considering Final Fantasy VII Remake is less of a remake and more of a secret s- sequel series, that's my honest opinion about that at that point. I get the feeling that this is where we're, we're taking this. Like, I, I would like to see them remake Final Fantasy VI, you know, bring these games into the bigger feeling things, but also keep the original spirit. I also think that they should also package it with the original just so, you know, we cannot, fr- we don't lose connection with the past. Meanwhile, Crash Bandicoot developers reassure nervous fans that Activision wants to invest in new titles in the franchise. Activision Blizzard will ruin it. So uh, let's hope that things work out when Microsoft takes over. But uh, yeah, 
The creative director Dan Neal said in an interview with Video Game Chronicles that despite Toys for Bob working on the Call of Duty series for the last two years, Activision is actually supportive of the studio working on new Crash Bandicoot franchise games, so much so that they want to keep investing in new titles starring the titular character. Can we get Spyro? I would like a, a reboot of Spyro post-trilogy. Post, uh, post Can we do that? Like, that'd be awesome. Please? Please? Oh, man. So, yeah, they're supportive of that, and that's good, but let's see how honest Activision Blizzard keeps to their word until Microsoft takes over. So, um... Yeah. Marvel Studios... Please note, I said studios, not the comics are reportedly not heading to San Diego Comic-Con's Hall H this year because of the ongoing strikes and all the projects currently on hold. And if I told you more about what's going on with the writer's strike and now the after strike and Hollywood's grand response to this, I would be here all day raging and I have another, and that's later for a save for another episode. So... So, uh, EVE Online. We all remember EVE Online. I kind of forgot about EVE Online. It was that overly complicated video game about playing a whatnot, but like, where you're basically building your own little empire in the ever-persistent world of EVE Online. But, uh, they have, the developer has announced that has finally launched the Microsoft Excel add-on, add-in on EVE Online, learning, leaning hard into the famed spaceships, MMO's reputation for being a spreadsheet simulation. So this is like more like in the joke than actually, you know, being all about that. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say this is accessible. I, I think it's more like insane, but we'll see on how that goes. So in an internal shakeup at EA, EA Sports and EA Games are splitting apart. And Andrew Wilson uh, says that it's realigning its major studios and its leadership structure in an effort to empower our creative teams. Okay, does that involve removing NFTs, screwing people over, telling your customers to piss off, or having a skeleton crew essentially work on the Madden series, uh, microtransaction exp expenses even more on a premium game? Is that going to be the end of that? No? Then you're not re-empowering them. So yeah, the former which EA Games is being renamed EA Entertainment is signaling that EA intends to expand beyond the games where possible, because you can't just make a separate company like that. So they also announced that we're building the future of interactive entertainment on the foundation of legendary franchises and innovative new experiences, which represents massive opportunities for infinite growth. Okay, I did not, they, I, that was not what he said about the infinite part, but let's be real, that's what they want. But yeah, they, they were commenting about this big reorganization. And especially after the whole Star Wars The Old Republic is being moved to a third-party developer to get to work on it, as the team of Bioware being moved on to other projects. And I'm just that guy sitting in the background It's like, no, I don't trust EA whatsoever. So a new so the uh, release date for Immortals of Avrim has been delayed due to to add more PC functionality. Yay! They actually care. Yay! 
which is the upcoming Magic FPS game by e- published by EAA and all that, which, okay, I'll give them credit for that, but, like, <laughs> I, I'm liking that we should delay it because after what happened with the uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen, uh, Jedi Fallen Order and all that, and the PC port that came out for that this year, Jedi Survivor, yeah. Um, probably for the best they do that. So, yeah, and while other while that is getting worked on, Cyberpunk 2077 had released another set of patches that released that adjusted a ton of bugs on the PS5, Xbox Series, and PC. Patch 1.63, which addresses several dozens of issues still present in the game, including bugs that stop progression, text that appear in the wrong way in mirrors, misbehaving photo mode filters, and more. It's also part of this whole plan to get ahead of its big 1.7 patch that will basically revamp a ton of the base game ahead of the Phantom Liberty release, which I'm excited for in all honesty, but we'll wait. Also, Halo Infinite continues to piss everyone off when they decide to announce that we are no longer they're no longer making seasonal cutscenes following the reshuffle of the company. How about you just um how you just like mention our uh, just make a DLC for the single player like you said you were going to do but you haven't done yet can, can we get that as well no that's asking too much from y'all okay meanwhile the last of us showrunner Craig Mezzin helped out with Dune part 2 script yay like, I'm excited. I watched the first Dune movie. It's pretty damn good. I never made a review about it because I have a hard time trying to figure out how to make a review for a moving, moving product than a comic book. And I'm still trying to work that out. So, <laughs> yeah. Dune 2 is set to be the sequel to Dune and focus on all the titular characters who survived the first movie. And especially after the director was making a huge fuss about the whole release date thing that EA did a few, a few years that not EA uh, that HBO and Warner Brothers Warner Media did a few years back until Warner Brothers Discovery came in and pooped all over the baskets. Uh, yeah, it, it's just um, a, a thing all around, and, and I don't know what's going to happen with that. I had never read the books, so I wouldn't know. But I was interested, and I thought, and when I heard about the original movie that was made all those decades ago, and considering how I've read that it's a big, dense book, I was like, yeah, maybe you should have split it and not crammed everything into one movie, or at the very least, try and pitch a way that can make it work. Luckily, Dennis is the right guy to do it in my eyes, since he managed to reinvent franchises that that had sequels instead of being shared universes. Thank God. Meanwhile, Red Dwarf, the complete series, returns to BBC for the first time in over 15 years. Red Dwarf co-creator shared the news, emphasizing this is the first time the complete series has been available to watch in one place since the original run aired between 1988 to 1997 before being revived by UK channel Dave. So, Red Dwarf hasn't been on BBC since 2007, but now we can... um, Rejoin and see the cast of characters again, and all 12 series of Red Dwarf are available on BBC's iPlayer. Very, very creative name there, iPlayer. That's definitely not something I'm sure Apple would take. But yeah, uh, 
back to what I was saying. You're gonna have to enjoy all that old content for the foreseeable future because the Rise Strike has also stopped, has held delays for Yellowstone 1923 season two, delayed indefinitely due to the Rider Strike. And yeah, like a whole bunch of projects and stuff are being delayed and, and whatnot. And I don't, and I'm pretty sure what considering what happened with the studios, I don't see, I think the end in sight is not going to be anytime soon. And let's hope things work out for the writers and actors and all that and stopping the rise of artificial intelligence, which I'm sure is definitely not going to be referenced in a later episode or anything. Spoilers is going to be, and I think you might know what I'm talking about when it comes to AI taking over everything. Meanwhile, Craven the Hunter is getting his own movie. Okay, I'm a little nervous. So, here's the thing when it comes to Spider-Man and Sony. Sony and Spider-Man have a complicated history together in terms of how I've seen it. Like, they're damn good at making Spider-Man movies, the Sam Raimi trilogy, and the mixed bag for some people and for a lot of people the amazing spider-man duology but when it comes to making films for the characters that are not spider-man or miles morales spider-man it's least left to desire venom yeah venom one and two let there be carnage uh craven the hunter could probably be good but we'll see but, um, <laughs> it's just, they're trying to make this adjacent MCU universe for the stuff, and Mobius, uh, oh god, the fact that they re-released that in theaters for, because of the meme, it's Morbin time! Mobius time! I, I honestly forgot about that, and like... I feel like they should just stick to what they're good at, which is the Spider-Man Peter Parker and Miles Morales films, the animation the Spider-Man, the live-action Spider-Man working with the MCU, but... and the Spider-Man video games. But, uh, how about we don't do this? Please? Please? No? Okay. Meanwhile, Marvel decided bright that they're doing another volume of Captain Marvel. Hooray, it's the 11th volume. So yeah, Kelly Thompson's uh, historic run of Captain Marvel ended. And Carol Danvers will be having a miniseries, Dark Tempest, and another series called Assault on Eden that was recently announced. A one-shot. It will be, they announced that there will be a whole new era of Captain Marvel ongoing, featuring a whole new costume. And I'm just that guy singing in the background going all... Okay. I'm like, based, the outfit is based off of her uh, Hellfire Gala outfit, which is freaking awesome. But that was probably because of Jen Bartle's beautiful artwork. But, um... I'm nervous, mostly because... Well, I'm not necessarily nervous. It's more like... That they're making this all, they're making, oh, they're already announcing a new volume just when, uh, just for the Marvel's movies, and it's just annoying. Like, I, I honestly wish they could just make, make it, uh, make forever ongoings again, where they don't focus so much on the number one and just continue with the number going, but at least they have the Lacey number, so I'm not gonna really complain that much. Just an annoying factor pet peeve I have. 
Meanwhile, Assassin's Creed Mirage's map is said to be similar to Unity's Paris. That should give you all the hope in the world that Assassin's Creed Mirage is going to be great. I don't like they're trying to make a rebirth of this, so to speak, but like, considering the massive scale and scope they did with Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla, to go back to their roots and to be more stealth first approach in earlier entries, I I'm a cool with that. That's cool. So yeah, they said that instead it will come closer to Unity's Paris and Revelation's Constantinople. So that's so yeah, I I'm good with that. I'm just hoping things work out well, and I'm hoping the game is good. Meanwhile, Kojima is said to be deeply involved in the Death Stranding movie. I mean, like, he already made the movie. It's in a video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the thing that annoys me. Kojima, like, I know Kojima set, wanted to originally be a movie director, and then he went into video games out of nowhere because it was just that, that kooky and crazy. But why make a movie for Death Stranding? Like, that still bugs me. But yeah, he's also saying he's being deeply involved in his production. And I'm just that guy singing in the background. It's like, you just, you already made Death Stranding. Shouldn't you be focusing more on the sequel? Like, I know you don't want other people to just mess up your baby because, let's be real, no one wants to deal with Avatar Last Airbender's issues, <laughs> history, and whatnot. Yeah. Meanwhile, so yeah. As speaking of gaming adaptations to films, Ghost of Tsushima movie director is looking ways to expand further into sequels and TV because even after just one game, they went ahead and said they're gonna make more. Like I'll give it credit, the director is the guy who made John Wick Chapter Four, but like, come on, can we just stop this? In fact, why not just make it a TV show and make it? make it unique and beautiful I'm like I'm all for, for a movie but like how are you going to make sequels to this and TV spinoffs if if it's just one game it, yeah see this is the thing that uh, confuses me it just confuses me but um yeah We'll probably don't know anytime soon with the writer strike, especially since Apple TV canceled the Metropolis show in the face of it, and the large pre-production costs. Yep, the miniseries is dead before it could even start. Production was due to kick off in the summer, but then they decided to cancel the series after weighing up the risks associated with the Riot Strike and how it might impact the shooting schedule, resulting in higher costs for building and holding expensive stages, labor, and virtual effects work. Okay, how about um, just not do it and then wait till you get the writers on board, like you have the scripts ready? Or make a book? Oh, wait, this is based off of a book already 1927 sci fi classic. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen on that front, but we'll see. Meanwhile, Persona 3 Reloaded is set for Nintendo Switch is reload for Nintendo Switch rumors spiral following PlayAsia listing. Persona 3 being the remake of Persona 3, because we need to make more remakes, Persona 3 Reload is probably going to come to Nintendo Switch, which I kind of honestly expected, so I'm not really at all shocked by it. It does look like it would fit in Nintendo World, but... Um, yeah, we'll see. Meanwhile, Sasha Callie, I'm pretty sure I if I butcher that name, I am deeply sorry, 
has said she doesn't want to stop. She doesn't want to. She hopes to continue playing Supergirl, and she has recently met with Warner Brothers, especially DC studio heads Peter Safran and and uh, James Gunn, talking about how she wants to come back as Supergirl. And I'm that guy singing in the back saying, uh, considering how the Flash has performed, I think it might be best not to call that a day. And I'm hoping Ezra Miller gets fired. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the Flash, so early the ending we got being how George Clooney's Bruce Wayne is coming is at the end, and not at all Michael Keaton's out of nowhere, uh, or Ben Affleck. So, um, here's the thing. Apparently there was, uh, they had multiple endings in place for, for, for The Flash. One movie, like, several plans were made. And this is the problem here. One plan was to reset the DCU. Another was to be a standalone set within Zack Snyder's Justice League. Another set were for a reboot. And another one was supposed to lead into, and I am not kidding here, they were going to go ahead and have a follow-up to Henry Cavill, Superman, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. And then they would also go ahead and have Callie's Supergirl and Keaton's Batman replacing the, replacing Superman and and whatnot and like yeah see there was so many th different things going on and one of them was to also set up a future if that was glimpsed with a Henry Cavill's Black Adam cameo in the promise of a new Wonder Woman movie from Patty Jenkins and yeah there was yet another ending they were going to do that will piss me off for years on end so here's what I found out Apparently, there was going to be a scene, there was going to be the ending where Mike, Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne and the Supergirl would replace Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck's characters. However, they were going to reveal that they were still alive and they're missing, and Ben Affleck contacts Ezra Miller's flat, uh, uh, Barry Allen, and tells them to find him, and this and find thus, and this would all lead into a Crisis on Infinite Earths Earth event film that would reset the whole DC universe back to the beginning and end all the confusion and convoluted nonsense and all the production issues. And I was like, why not just have done that, James Gunn? I know that would delay your plans, but like, come on, just give us a fitting ending. I would have loved to have a crisis film instead of what we got with CW, and I would have definitely loved if instead of the anti-monitor, it would be Dark Side just to fill up on that plot thread that was established in Zack Snyder's Justice League cut, where they say, and I quote, anti-life in the multiverse. You just don't throw out the multiverse and say anti-life can now affect the whole multiverse and not give any follow-up to that. Because that sounds awesome and it would have given Final Crisis a Crisis in Infinite Earths treatment. But that's all I can say about that. It never happened. Reboot. No follow-up. And considering what happened with Ezra Miller, probably for the best. So anyways, Lyndall Hamilton is joining Stranger Things Season 5 for the big final season. 
we don't know what character she's playing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just say, let's have her play Sarah Connor in this, or to the very least play Linda Hamilton as Linda freaking Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> because that would be freaking awesome. So, yeah, she's been casted in this. We don't know her role yet, but we'll see. Oh, also, Netflix's live-action One Piece gets a release date in a teaser trailer set for sale on August 31st, only on Netflix. I saw... uh, I saw the image. I'm just gonna say it. Why is the background looking like something from from Counter-Strike? Because that was the vibe I got from the backgrounds. And, and that's not even help, helping the fact that Netflix now has this and Avatar The Last Airbender getting a first look, debating in 2024. Now, here's the thing. I actually saw the image of it. Now, here's the thing. Here, I, I don't know if it's going to be anything good, especially after the creators left due to creative differences. But um, here's the thing about when I saw the image the images of of these characters when I saw them I was on the opinion that okay they look like how they're supposed to mostly Aang does I saw this like all these characters look pretty similar to the cartoon versions of themselves so this is what so this was the vibe I got I was like okay they look exactly how they're supposed to how they would look in live action will that mean it will be good Oh, man. We'll see. We'll see. But at least they look a lot more better and more close to the original characters than what we got with M. Night Shyamalan's last Airbender film. (sighs) But yeah, Netflix continues to do this whole thing with the whole whole, uh, new big projects, such as the new series called uh, a a series for a three-body problem, which is being made from the creators of Game of Thrones. Along with True Bug writer and The Terror, infamy showrunner Alexander Wu. So, yeah. So, according to Netflix's synopsis, it follows the story of a young woman's fateful decision in 1960s China, which reverberates across space and time to a group of brilliant scientists in present day. As the laws of nature unravel before their eyes, five former colleagues reunite to confront the greatest threat in humanity's history. Now, here's the thing. I, I'm just going to say this. As much as we would want to be worried about David Benioff and D.B. Weiss being involved in this, here's my opinion. They are better at adapting things than making their own original content. So I have hope for, hope for this. Plus, they'll have someone to help go ahead and hold them accountable if it does. Alexander Wu. And along with that, they're bringing back some cast members from Season 1 of Squid Game. Because, of course they do. And there will be new actors joining the cast, so that's going to be fun. (laughs) Oh, man. Along with that, they're also working on Extinction 3, which is set to be the next big event event by Chris Hemsworth's big announcement. I thought I was sure there was going to be a... And (laughs) the Rooster Bros had also revealed they're preparing for an Extraction Cinematic Universe... Yeah, I mean Extraction 3, not Extinction 3. I don't know why I keep thinking Extinction... But when I heard about the Extraction Cinematic Universe, I was like, God damn, stop it. 
Meanwhile, uh, so all the Netflix news is done. Um, Twitch star XQC signs a $70 million plus deal with rival platform Kick because Twitter is currently blowing itself up. Because Twitch is blowing itself up. As always. And he's been on there for a little bit, and apparently he's gotten some controversy to just playing an entire movie while reacting to it in some way, so there's some problems here. Meanwhile, uh, Pixar's boss says initial response to Elemental was confusing. The reviews were pretty nasty. Have you ever considered that what one group of people say it's good, and another group of people say, eh, it's confusing, eh, eh. Like, you do realize everyone has, everyone has different tastes, right? I know Disney doesn't really see people as people, but let's come on. Really? And the Callisto Protocol released a DLC called Final Transmission, which I read from many people, including YouTuber Mischief, saying it sucked, so sucks for them. And Diablo 4 dev announces promises longer term um, fix for inventory, cluttering gems, and all that issue. Yeah, could have fixed this all at the end before releasing it, and you could have delayed it, but you know, live services must be the norm. But let's end this whole thing off on one big moment. In September, there's going to be a massive event. Oh, no, not like a massive multi-comic book crossover event. No, no, it's just a two-part comic book crossover in their shared universe between X-Men and the Invincible Iron Man. So, just to uh, help give things a, give these things a once-over on this. So, the fall of X is fast approaching. Everyone is going crazy. Everyone thinks it's going to go to hell soon, with Orcus about to rain terror upon the world. While in Invincible Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark has lost his company, again, to a person who hates the mutants, and because humanity is a bunch of dumb fucks, they have the U.S. government decided, hey, let's bring back the Sentinels and upgrade them with Stark technology. And I'm that guy singing in the background being all like, what the fuck, man? Like, oh, God. How could the government of the U.S. in the Marvel Universe be dumber than our current government? Which is saying a lot. And they're stupid as fuck. So, yeah. Uh, all that's happening, and Tony Stark has been working with the X-Men to help with this dilemma since he's trying to get his company back and this whole fiasco. And there was a bit of a tea, and turns out this uh, little particular event was teased back in the history of the Marvel Universe by Mark Wade. So there is some foundation here. It's not just out of nowhere. What I'm talking about? Tony Stark, Avenger, Iron Man, the Invincible Iron Man, is tying the knot and getting married to the Hellfire Queen, her to the White Queen herself, Emma Frost. Now, when I first heard this, I was like, I just woke up to this. But here was my reaction when I looked into it more and I was rereading some of the comics and then learning about all this extra stuff because I need to catch up on so much goddamn stuff. Uh, 
Duggan says, neither seems like the marrying type. I'm like Tony Stark did recently propose to to Cat to to another hero in the last run before you took over. But uh, sure, just ignore that. Why this works and how this works and how much fun this is, whether their management works or not, will be need to be seen to be believed, and you'll have to buy to find out. I mean, Emma technically was dating Scott, so and she and she might be in a poly relationship with him, Jean Grey, and Wolverine, which makes things all awkward. Like, but uh, uh but yeah, uh, they're getting married. Props to them. And there's a beautiful connecting cover art featuring X-Men issue 26 by Lucas Rennick and Invincible Iron Man and number 10 by Lucas Rennick connecting the two covers featuring their marriage. But uh, there's some interesting details people noticed. Like, hi, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. I thought you were dead. I'm like, you just died a few weeks ago. It'd be pretty stupid if you just suddenly got announced to be coming back after they just released a Fallen Friend issue one shot. Right? 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 But yeah, uh, when I heard this, I was like, oh, I know what this is. This isn't really like a relationship where they're going to get married, like they love each other and whatnot. No, 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 no. This is going to be a political marriage. Basically, to help X-Men unite with the Avengers more formally, instead of just with the uncanny Avengers stuff going on. But no, this is just more like a political marriage, especially to help Anthony Edward Stalker back his company, and Emma Grace Frost to, you know, kick Orcus's ass, and also get back at Phalong, who's trying to destroy the world again, and start another Days of Future Past scenario, but with Stark Tech extending it. Oh, and Orcus might be raiding to fo following the wedding. So, uh, we can't have a normal wedding in any comic book universe anymore these days. Unless it's the end of a series or an alternate timeline. And even then, it probably has to have a bunch of hurdles occur just to justify the whole drama. So, yeah. Congratulations to Emma Frost, to Emma Grace Frost and Anthony Edward Stark. That's his full name for those who just call him Tony Stark and don't know that. Uh... Good luck. Hope you all survive the experience. Oh, I don't know why they just couldn't think of like other plans, but we'll probably see the later issues as this whole alliance continues to flourish in X-Men and in Iron Man heading into this two-part event. But yeah, this and since, and people were saying this came out of left field, even though Emma Frost has been working with Tony Stark on this whole crisis situation. I also like to bring up that that this was teased in Mark Ways' History of the Marvel Universe as a future potential event. So there is some foundation here, and they're actually following up on something that, that people thought was not going to happen because it's comic books universe stuff, so stuff like that can't happen realistically. Boy, were we a bunch of idiots. But, yep, this is where we're at. We'll see how these issues go. Praise be to Marvel and their logic. But yeah, that's about it. All we have for today. Uh, this is your host, Eric Brown of Neuriatic Collective, brought to you by the Everyday Fans. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all again in the next video, in the next podcast episode. Oh, see you all again. Stay tuned for this outro. And I'll see you all again. Peace, take care, and take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Peace. 
sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels, such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.